Welcome back to Series 3 of the Writing Around the Kids podcast. We're really excited to bring to you some great chats with our fabulous guests every week. We do hope you enjoy it. Hello and welcome to Writing Around the Kids podcast. I'm Sam. And I'm Anna and today we're absolutely delighted to have Jacqueline Crooks. Hello Jacqueline. Hi, great to be with you both. So Jacqueline Crooks was born in Jamaica and grew up in the 70s and 80s Southall as part of London's migrant community, carving out a space through music where she raved at dub reggae dances. She's carved out a career for herself in the community sector, working with black and minoritised charities. Her stories have been long-listed for the Orwell Prize for Political Fiction, for the Wasari New Writing Prize and the BBC National Short Story Award. Named as the 2023 Top 10 debut author by The Guardian and The Observer, her book Fire Rush is set in the 1970s and 80s London, Bristol and Jamaica and is about the role of a woman in the underground world of dub reggae. Oh, it's uh, very, very exciting to have you here and that um, you're going to do us a reading from Fire Rush as well. So I'm going to just read the blurb for that. London, 1978. Yume, a woman in her 20s, unsure of who she is, but with dreams of being a DJ and MC. Yume lives for the weekend, when she can go raving with her friends at the Crypt, an underground club in the industrial town on the outskirts of London where she was born and raised. Everything changes when she falls deeply in love with Moose. He offers the chance of freedom and change. When their relationship is cut brutally short, Yume goes on a dramatic journey of transformation that takes her first to Bristol, where she gets caught up in a criminal gang, and then to Jamaica, where past and present collide with devastating consequences. Um, Yeah, so if you could just give us a bit of context for the part that you're going to read from. Yes, so I'm reading um, somewhere towards the end of the novel, and this is a a scene where uh, Yume, the protagonist, is finding her power. She's starting to DJ more regularly now. She's found a place that she thinks is safe and she's taken to the decks in this scene. Excellent. A tall, thin man on the beach is playing a trumpet, circled by dancers. He pushes them out of the way and stands in front of the deck. He's got the same downward slanting eyes as you. Puts the trumpet to his lips each blowing breath sanctifying you with life force. He reaches for you before disappearing into spectral resonance. The ship in the distance calls further away from the headland, and the wind carries the voices of women on the boat, their songs muffling the sea, turning it it red. One of the ravers on your case is singing, her voice floating above your dub riddings. Red cables on your mixing deck connect to a mic that she's holding, pumping ancestral bass into your bloodstream. She has freckles. Her thick as rope hair is hanging over her shoulders, loose and wild. Hey, you, she says. She's as familiar strange as this place. Her face is a watery reflection, a reverb bouncing back from another time. Like looking at yourself, the same heart-shaped brown face, square-cut cheekbones, inlaid brown eyes. She puts the mic to her lips, sings in falsetto, a microtonal song like drops of water. The last drop 
in an apocalyptic world. If there are words to her song, you can't make them out. If there are other worlds, looks like she's just stepped out of one. Her salt-glazed eyes widen as she lets out a star-bound note. You wait for it to fall and light the next revolution. You turn down your 45 and she comes closer to you. She's about 27, the same age as Mama when she disappeared. But that was 10, 30, 100 years ago. Oh, wonderful, wonderful. It's so just, yeah, magic to kind of hear you reading it in your own voice. So the kind of the story, Yamei's story, um, is based on kind of your experiences um, as a young woman in the uh, in the dub scene. Is that correct? Yes, it's very much based with me as a 15-year-old going to these adult dances where I had no business to be going um, <laughs> and trying to hold my own in a very male-dominated world. So it's very much focused on the female perspective, the women, young women's perspective, because it was a male-dominated world. I'm trying to sort of tell the story from the female lens to give um, another perspective on that world and the challenges for women then and possibly still now in yeah. holding their own in, in dances. Do I understand it right that you, it took you about 10 years to write Fire Rush? <laughs> it was actually about 16. Oh, okay, well... <laughs> If we add in the extra year for the editing, it's probably 17, but 16 years <laughs> before it was sold um, to publishers. But in that time, I wasn't just writing Fire Rush. Yeah. I would write short stories as a way of finding my the language I wanted to tell, um, to tell Fire Rush. Because it's about dub reggae, it's about a music, I wanted to find another language, a revolutionary language that could contain that story. Yeah. And um, I, I listened to... Um, Fire Rush as an uh, as an audio book, and I just I really loved how the you know there was music along with the narration, um, kind of yeah really sort of uh, brought it to life, um, and I wondered if you um, if you listen to music as part of your writing process, a lot yes I mean so I I mean I grew up in a Jamaican household and so you know you're born into music music is in my DNA dub reggae reggae music particularly is in my DNA and then dub reggae has come from from reggae. So um, I, that music is, you know, I'm still very close to it. But I stopped listening to it when I got to about 30 because I think I was completely burnt out by the dances. But in writing Fire Rush, I did re-engage with Dubwick and I listened to it while I was writing. I had to get into the rhythm to write to the rhythm, if you like. So it was a crucial point of my writing, writing process was listening to the music and re-engaging with it and connecting with it again um, and finding new things in that music. And with that connection as well, because see, you know, we're talking about um, a young woman, the experiences of a young woman. Did you have to um, almost like distance yourself from those experiences yourself to then be able to re-engage with it as a story that could then become a novel? No, it's actually quite the opposite. I'm, I'm, I consider myself to be a life writer. Yeah. I'm drawing my lived experience all the time. So everything I write, the starting point is me, an experience that I want to explore, and also the experiences of other people who are in my life at the same time. And I want to get as close to those experiences because I think with time, we can look at those experiences more honestly, face up to them, and, and really go deep and have a, a, bit, of, a bit of perspective on them. Mm, yeah. uh, and so I actually enjoyed getting up close and I was writing from my 15-year-old self from that perspective, becoming that young woman that I was then. Because I think we still 
hold all those personas in us, don't we, from our 10 year old self, our teenage self. I think we still hold them in us. And so it was very much a point of I wanted to be that person again. I wanted to look at those experiences, even, even the difficult ones, as a way of channeling them and transforming them into something different. Um, and you, that really comes through in the novel as well. You, I mean, in your, in your book, you feel like you are walking very closely next to the central character and you, as a reader, you're entirely invested and have a real sense of, um, yeah, of, of, of just a, like connection with that, with the character. And, but when you're saying about, about immersing yourself back in experience and so on, I mean, so for Yamei, some of her experience is, um, is quite traumatic um, in terms of experience of abuse. And as a writer, how do you... How you know? How do you protect yourself if you're dealing with quite difficult subject matter? I don't think I could have written this book when I was in my twenties or thirties. I'd have been too close to those experiences. Mm, yeah. I'm sixty now, and I've had a lot of time to process those experiences and come to a sense of uh, maybe closure is not the right word, but a sense of peace. And this has happened, and it's made me who I am. Yeah. And also, it, it, I'm trying to show that these traumatic experiences I have in some way transcended them and uh, come up to survive them wow this is something to celebrate yeah. Yeah. so i can look at those really difficult experiences because i'm so much older because uh, i have there's a lot of distance between me and those experiences and um in a way the energy of surviving something like that is something i want to to, to use to write the story as well I really yeah I mean it's it's kind of like um the the care and the nurturing for the for the younger self is is part of that as well um that's such a good point that's such a good point it really is about me going back to that time when I was voiceless yeah. hey I've got a voice now through the writing of the story it really is about empowering myself that young person as an adult yes I mean with, without being all like gushy I can't believe you're 60 because you look incredible <laughs> <laughs> yeah amazing um thank you uh, so yeah so you may is as you've said is very much kind of from your own perspective and you've got you know such rich brilliant characters in fire rush um and so are they based on real people as well and and could they recognize themselves they're very much based on real people but each character is uh, an amalgamation of two people i would say um each of them like i'd say like 80% are real, uh, based on real people that I knew and maybe 20% to kind of uh, disguise them a little bit so those, those friends don't recognise themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but also in, in adding some characteristics that were perhaps fictionalised, it's a way really to uh, really explore the real people uh, and to, to understand their, better understand their behaviour because I think fiction... You know, real life events takes you so far, but sometimes with fiction, you can put those characters into uh, imagined scenarios to explore who they are really in, in a different way and to try and get a better understanding of them. So they are definitely based on real people. And it was me trying to understand human behavior. Why did those people do this, that and the other back then? And uh, understand them and to, yeah, move on from the past. Um, I'm really interested as well into your route into writing. Um, 
because you talked about how it's um, that the the, um, the period from I guess from conception to publishing was roughly about seventeen years with Fire Rush, mm-hmm. but also at the same time you have been writing short stories. And did you always know that you wanted to write, or was Fire Rush a story that was kind of a burning inside you, pardon the pun, to be it that needed to needed to be told, or had to, yeah? What how, how did you? What's your route into the into writing in the first place? Yes, I I mean I've been reading since you know since I was like three or four you know reading yeah. anything and everything in adult fiction. By the time I was eight, I was reading adult fiction. So I've always been reading. I've always wanted to be a writer. Even at school, primary school, I was like, yes, I want to be a writer. So I always knew I wanted to write. And I think that urge to write has come from me being a child that was voiceless, that was grown up in a. Uh, a home where there was domestic violence and, and other other forms of violence and depression, and I think that impulse to write has come from a need to to have a voice, to be yeah. heard, and to be seen in some way. So that's my that's my that's the reason I write, and that's the reason I think. So this story, I think, has come from that need to be heard. You know, that's why we had the amazed wanting to be heard through her music and mm. DJing as a way to get her voice out there in some way. So that's the reason. I mean, every writer has their own reasons for writing. Some people write just for the pure, the, the art. But for me, it's very much um, a form of activism, if you like, and empowerment. I guess that come you kind of you're doing that work as well in the work you do with you know the charities and the community groups. Yeah. Um, so you you sound like a very busy woman. And how do you, how do you <laughs> give yourself the time to write? Like where? Uh, what's kind of routine wise I think what I've sort of found that works for me is to get up I mean I'm, I'm an early riser and I'm a morning writer so I will start writing maybe four o'clock in the morning wow. um, <laughs> three or four hours and then then that's the writing's done and yeah. I feel better my mind I feel I'm energized by it I, my, my creative mind kicks in so then I will you know, later on in the morning, start work for, for my business. And then the writing's done and my I get my, my work done. But also the writing feeds into my, my professional work, yeah. the creativity that that is channeled from my creative writing. It, it, it channels into my professional work. Um, that works for me. And but, but I'm done by about like four or five o'clock. That's it. I, I, I have to switch off. I'm completely done in. <laughs> Yeah, no, I'm exactly the same. It's funny, Sam and I are like the, the either ends of the, the day writers. Yeah. Um, but yes, I, I find mornings far more productive as well. <laughs> but so when you're talking about what you're writing, I mean, is there, are you, could you, um, are you working on something at the moment that you could um, tell us about? Yeah, so I'm at the very uh, fresh stage of writing something completely new. So this is the, this is the, the stage I really enjoy writing. I don't know where it's going to go. Yeah. I have vague ideas of the plot. I do believe that the plot's already done. My subconscious already written the story out from beginning to end. It's there. I, I know the plot. I know how the story's going to start. It's going to end. It's just finding the themes. But mainly on what I'm working on at the moment is the language. It's, mm. For each book I write, I really want to find a unique language that fits the story and the themes. So this is going to be, I would classify it as Afro-futuristic if I had to give it some kind of... fabulous. Yeah. So you you were saying that the, um, that kind of your subconscious has the plot. Does that mean that you're not really, that you're not really a planner in like a, in a physical, 
in a physical way. Or like a subconscious no. planner, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> that, would, that would kill it for me. I do a lot of planning for my professional work and I work in a very organised, systematic way. I'm like all about the details. So for me, I believe that if you're, an, for me as an art, thinking of myself as an artist in terms of my writing, I just think you've got to take risks, you've got to let go of all those controls and plans and systems and ideas because I don't think if I was to plan and hold on to a rigid idea of what I'm doing, it gives me no room to be experimental mm. and to free flow. I think writing for me is about freedom and free flowing and finding, just letting your subconscious take you to, into places you didn't know you could go or wanted to go. Yeah. I think that really comes through in Fire Rush as well because there's a real sense of energy and momentum and maybe maybe that comes through the kind of spontaneity of not being bound to a, a rigid plan. I was just thinking about you, you're saying about how your subconscious knows uh, what the plot is and I really wish my subconscious knew what the plots to my books were. <laughs> yeah, I mean, some of the characters, they I dropped them in, in the very first chapter, had no idea. I thought they were just really minor characters and they resurfaced of their own accord later yeah. on and became much bigger and bigger. And that's because I hadn't planned um, whether they were going to be minor or, or, or big characters. But they found their way into the story in, in really good ways. And so I think that's the benefit of, for me, of not planning and plotting in a very conscious way. I think that's really interesting. I was just thinking we had we spoke some time ago to um, Kit Well, and she was talking about a character that had bit, was um, a lesser character in one of her books that then presented itself as a as the protagonist in a future book, um, and that idea of having these people kind of rattling around in your heads and taking on almost a um, yeah like living rent free in your head. <laughs> in a way that they they consume your thoughts and with the your characters just feel so well-rounded and um and believable and I know that you'd said that um in Firish some are taken from inspiration from people like existing people but with what you're writing at the moment um how much do you sit with your characters before you sit in front of your laptop and start writing or do they start to show themselves through the writing as it were well again this new book is a, is based, based on lived experience and people i knew the real real people yeah really perhaps i'm going a bit further actually with the lived experience in, in this one i think i was fairly tentative in in, in some ways in fire but i'm going a bit deeper this time um but I don't think consciously about what they're going to do. Yeah. I just the only thing I sit down and tell myself consciously is that I'm not going to hold back in any way from difficult things. Things are very raw. I just put it all out there on the page and let the characters come up and do what they need to feel they need to do. Because I think there's some part of me that is explore, is wants to explore, investigate some issue for that character to come up and to again and to you know go into particular scenes. It, it's something that I need to resolve in my own mind. I believe that's why we hold couches in our minds and why they do certain things as we write them onto the page. Yeah. So um, you were shortlisted for the Women's Prize for Fiction. What yeah. was that um, experience like? Uh, that was such an intense experience. I was not expecting that at all. Um, so it was like, wow, oh my gosh, I can't believe I'm here with these amazing writers. Um, what a great experience to meet other authors, other women authors, and to mm -hmm. hear about their processes. And to, to have a platform like that to really get 
um, my book uh, out there and to reach people because I, I consider myself to be a life writer, but the political fiction, I write political fiction. So it, it really excites me to get some of those issues that are in the, in the book out there um, to, to, to an audience via fiction, which I think makes things, some of these bigger issues more palatable to, yeah. to people. So, yeah, it's a privilege for sure. Yeah, I'm just saying that with the the kind of more the political element, like it it was really it was really kind of confronting the stuff around like the police brutality and so on um, yeah. when it was the seventies, and you just think nothing like it's the it's kind of the same now. That's yeah. I, I mean, when I was working on the final edits in 2020 was when the George Floyd murder uh, yeah. happened, and so I was like, it really pulled me up sharply. I thought, oh my god, I'm, I'm I was writing about this in Skyfrush, and yeah. here we are, another big case showing that it is you know nothing much has 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 changed um so that was quite sobering but it made it for me feel even that time rush is even important yeah absolutely yeah and do you feel that on that as well i mean that it started to open up I, i imagine that your book is a point of opening up conversation about some of these things as well um have you found yourself you know has that been your experience at all yes i think in in doing you know events at festivals and having audience engagement and q a's people do ask about that and you know it's really good because it is starting discussion and um a couple of universities want me to go and speak to their students they want to put the book on their reading list so i feel that it is going to start conversations and as a writer i want that to happen for two reasons. One, for other artists to engage and maybe uh, write a story in response, but also for, for um, you know, social comment, political commentators to really pick up on the book and start conversations. So political and artistic conversations I'd like to come out of, of, uh, of from the back of the book. I think it's, yeah, it is, I mean, it's such an important book. I think um, it's really, it was definitely well-placed, you know, on the shortlist and kind of among, sitting among those other books. Um, yeah. So you, you obviously said before you've uh, been a massive reader s- since a young mm. age. What books? Yeah. What books do you like to read? Oh, uh, I mean, I think up until the age of like about forty, I was just reading everything that was out there—the standard, you know, the classics. You know, um, I loved it at school. I was reading Somerset Maugham, mm. Dickens, who I loved, uh, the Russian uh, classics. Now I think. I have to search out more experimental books. I think I've read all the kind of, you know, the classics and the standard. The standard. So now I, I, I was reading uh, Radical Life of My Own by, I think it's Shangao, I can never pronounce the name. Um, and her book is like a, me- a mix of memoir, fiction, poetry, exploring language. It's really hard to find really unusual structure so I'm, I'm picking out those those kind of books that are playing with form fiction playing with form a lot more those are the kinds of things I think I'm, I'm looking for now but also lived experience I think I'm really drawn to fiction that's based on lived experience it really feels brings alive a world and people for me and with your writing as well I'm just thinking like how do you do you like kind of sense check your work as it were do you have do you share your work at an early stage with other people do you does it have to be somewhere along the you know development stage before you'd you'd kind of share an idea do you have do you have um input or do you hold your work close until you feel like you're you've got kind of a polished draft 
That's such a good question. I don't, I'm not one of those writers who feels they've got to hold it close. Mm. I will show it to any and everybody to all to get feedback. I love feedback. So I think I've worked about with about, I'd say about 40 writers and artists who have mentored me at some stage of drafting, provided ideas, some consultations with artists, you know, dub-rated DJs and other writers. I like to collaborate and I like to show my work and get feedback all the while endeavouring to make it better and better. The more people I show it to for feedback and mentoring, the better it becomes. So I think I would like to do a first very, very rough draft and then I send it to anybody and everybody. And when you when you sit down to write, like how do you how do you start? Yeah. <laughs> it's like that's, that's quite a big that's like a really question, but like question. do you start with a question that you want to answer or yeah, that's such a good question because I, I mean, I teach, I, don't see, I facilitate creative writing sessions and I always say to people, I never sit down with the intention I'm going to work on my second chapter today or I'm going to work on this particular scene. If I did that, nothing would happen or you'd get what's called writer's block. I just sit down and I just, I'm just going to write whatever comes to mind. I could do start, start off writing a, a diary entry or a silly song or my immediate thoughts or... I had a conversation with someone yesterday that irritated me and I want to let off some steam and some anger. <laughs> I just said, starting point is well, anything I just want to let loose on the pages. And eventually, if I allow that to happen, at some point I'll find myself going back to chapter two or some, you know, writing the novel. But I never sit down with the intention, I'm going to work on that novel because yeah. I think that will be, that will just kill the energy. And I, it's another way of just tricking my brain saying, just allow myself to find my there very naturally. So do you, when, you, when you're writing then, with that then, do you not write in a, a kind of a linear fashion? Would you, might you write something that's further on in the book no. and then jump about a bit no. and then kind of jigsaw it back no. together later on? It's very messy. I'll just write whatever I'm drawn to writing about chapter 30 or chapter one. I'm going to write something, oh, that belongs in chapter one or belongs in chapter 30. I, I, it's like, a game of cards you yeah. know I have all the chapters laid out and structured roughly but I write whatever I feel like writing uh, that day and gradually if I, if I do that before I know it I'll suddenly realize oh my god all the chapters are done they've, they've, they've somehow been built on but it's all very random mm. of course that's in the first year but then obviously when you when I go to edit in a very meaningful way then I might be a more organized and systematic process of right i've got to edit the first six chapters today and then tomorrow the next you know you know the, the, the next subsequent chapters but in the first few drafts it's very very random and free-flowing that sounds extremely freeing mm. as well and a way of being able to continuously enjoy what you're writing instead of sitting down thinking about oh god no <laughs> it's, you know, just, it, yeah in that kind of and then and then and then cycle which you, which it's you know it's, it's easy to fall into so yeah I it can... would be like work it would be like work if I approached my writing that way it would feel like I'm sitting down to do a day's work and I think writing has got for me it's about freedom it's about joy it's about expression and not being thinking I've got to do this today or so yeah I think that's Keeping it fresh is, is really important, I think, for writers to sustain it and to, to hold on to it and make it the very best you can. You've got to want to, in, you've got to enjoy it, I believe. Yeah. And so, um, do you not really enjoy the editing and putting together part, if that's kind of more the more methodical side of it? Yeah, I have to say, I, 
I'm not as attached to the editing process. Some parts of it, I'm really, really working on something I think right. I'm going to really get this paragraph into a really particular. I've got a vision for this paragraph or this scene. I'm going to really work on it. But generally, editing is not not my favorite. The, the thing I enjoy the most, I enjoy the first three drafts, which is just the energy of creativity predominantly. Oh, fantastic! And um. Also, we just a lot of the people who will be listening may be coming new to writing or are emerging writers. And as what what would your advice be to somebody who's starting out, or something that you might have told yourself earlier on in your writing career? Yeah. I think the thing I think I would say is just trust your voice. If you trust your voice, the story will come. I think a lot of people think they have to write in a particular style uh, that that other writers write in and this can hinder writers especially if, if like me you weren't taught grammar at school or didn't have a particularly good education so you feel a bit hindered oh my god my English isn't good enough my grammar's not good enough and I've got to write in a high you know high English mm. then you think you've got to use someone else's voice but you know use your authentic voice uh trust it write in it and the story will flow I think quite naturally Oh, I think that's really beautiful advice. And I think that, um, yeah, kind of the more writers we speak to, it's kind of knowing that everybody's process is kind of a little bit different and it's an individual thing and an individual relationship with writing. Um, that's a really inspiring idea in of itself that, you know, you're the only one that can write your writing. So, yeah. And everyone can write. That's the thing. Yeah. I've been facilitating workshops for the past 20 years in the community sector and everybody's got an amazing story yeah. everybody can write yeah absolutely oh what lovely yeah what a lovely uh, place to end our uh, conversation today so if people want to find you Jacqueline do you have how would people find you on are you on social media or what's the best way for people yeah. to, to come about you? yeah but if people can you know dm me on instagram or twitter um i try to respond to everybody um so yeah I'm there, um, the widest, double L-U-I-D-A-S on Instagram. That's always a good way to contact me. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much um, for giving us your time and the beautiful reading. And we've thoroughly enjoyed speaking with you, Jacqueline. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Really enjoyed it. We hope you found some inspiration in that chat. For more writing resources, go to our website, writingaroundthekids.co.uk, where you'll find tips, prompts and links to our social media. And don't forget, you can catch up with all the brilliant episodes from Series 1 and 2.